Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with Amy Cox, who brings her unique expertise as an anthropologist, Yale professor, dancer, and choreographer to her one real good thing, which is tap into the pleasure of movement. As an instructor for the class, which is a fun, cathartic, and challenging workout with a big celebrity following, as part of their new Pleasure Yourself series, Amy says that movement is powerful medicine. Listen to learn what she means by that. It might forever change the way you think about exercise. Amy Cox, thank you so much for being here. It is great to have you on. And, you know, I wanted to just kick off by saying one thing that you say really moves me, and that is that movement is powerful medicine. Mm. So I really think that's a great kickoff to this conversation, because what do you mean by that? Movement is powerful medicine. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I And, you know, when I say that, people look at me and they say, well, of course you think that because you're a dancer, right? Or you you dance professionally. You you have to believe that. But I did not develop that sensibility about movement being powerful medicine after I danced. I think I became a dancer because I always sort of felt that in my body and in my spirit, even when I was really, really young. And I think part of it for me um, is that so much and I did not have the language when I was a kid like when I was young I didn't have the language for it but as I got older I was able to name exactly what it was and I think for most of my life I felt that there were so many things that were defining me right there were so many ways that I was always already captured in somebody else's imagination um, and that's you know growing up in the Midwest as 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 a as a black child, a black girl, dark skinned black girl, like I was immediately named and sort of captured in, in in the imagination of folks who didn't know me as soon as they saw my body. And there was a way that I felt that on a really deep visceral level, even as a kid, I felt that I felt I had to manage my body in space and public space, like how I moved, how it was seen. I was so acutely aware of that at a very young age. And when I discovered dance, I discovered dance because I was sort of just on my own. And my my mother noticed this, my parents noticed this, very much in my body and always moving. And when I look back, I try to explain like, what was the impetus for that? Like, why did I feel like I wanted to move? And I think for me, movement was a way to move beyond the way that I was captured in in these narratives, in these ways of seeing my physical body, my physical form that did not speak to the, the fullness of who I, who, I, who I was. As a kid, I just felt like, oh, this is how I feel kind of free and I'm, you know, no one's telling me what to do type of thing, you know? But really in movement, I wanna be clear, movement is different from dance. So there's movement and there's like dance and dance training and all different forms of dance. And I'm not even talking about that. I just mean like moving your body, walking down the street, like the things that, you know, if, if we have mobile bodies, we're so blessed to be able to do walking from point A to point B, getting up and just shaking your body, like to feel your body moving in space is such deep, powerful medicine. Because for all of us, and this is this is true, you know, regardless of how you self-identify, regardless of your gender, your race, where you come from, your body, when you can direct your body, there's so much power there, right? There's so there's always people signs 
policies, telling us where to go, where we can't go, what we, where we should put our bodies, what our bodies are supposed to look like, what are somebody, our bodies are supposed to feel like. And for you to like, for us to step back and just feel our bodies, even as simple, like I would even encourage everybody the next time you're walking down the block, just to really feel every action, every step, feel your arms moving by your sides, feel the air around your body. That is such beautiful, powerful medicine just to be embodied. I mean, we're all embodied, like we all have bodies, but being embodied is different than having a body. Like to feel your body in space and to be like, oh, I have dominion over this body. I can reclaim this body. And you feel that when you move. And that to me is, is really, it's powerful medicine. That's kind of the antidote to sort of the social poison <laughs> that we're often fed that tells us we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not whatever enough, or we're too much of something. And to, to, to return to feeling into your body where some of the deepest wisdom resides. And that's a practice. Yes, it is indeed. And I mean, it's also, it's basically like what you're saying. I think it's moving on your own terms. And when, when you say that we have all these pressures, we're, we're supposed to look a certain way, we're supposed to move a certain way. It reminds me very much of as a dietitian, as a nutritionist, as a food lover, what I normally talk about is this rejection of diet culture. And I think it, it very much rings true to me in that way, what you're saying, because it's the same in rejecting diet culture, then you're rejecting the way people say you're supposed to look or what you're supposed to be eating or what foods are supposed to be right. clean foods or whatever. So mm -hmm. you're rejecting that and listen and going more intuitively going inside. What does my body need? What does my body thrive on? And exactly. I feel, I feel like you're saying this from an activity point of view, and maybe there's like a workout culture that says we have to work out a certain way, we have to move a certain way, we have to look a certain way in workout clothes or whatever. Yeah. And maybe by rejecting that, we're really freeing ourselves. And that's kind of what you're getting at here. Movement is powerful medicine. Yeah. I mean, and if, 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 I, if I could take it to the class, I mean, like, I think this is why I was immediately so drawn to the class. You know, someone, I had danced professionally. I'm, I'm a yogi. I've been through several yoga trainings. And the moment a friend of mine, actually, I didn't know anything about the class. Um, a woman that I was um, teaching yoga with came to me and said, I found something that you're going to love. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, to be honest, I, I hope you don't think it's too white, but I think you'll be able, like, I think you'll see beyond that and be able to see the core of what it is. And what she meant by white is that, you know, it's in Tribeca, there's a certain demographic that tends to, that is able, has a privilege to be able to sort of afford the class, but it is not a white space in the sense of there's a way, again, when we're talking about the moving body and the freedom of, in the moving body, that there is an access point for everyone, right? And so I felt that immediately. I felt that immediately. And it was so different from all of the other sort of ways that I was trained to work out in a fitness culture, even in dance culture. And it, it felt so freeing. I think it was probably even more freeing my first few classes than when I was like those moments when I remember being on stage, that moment of flight where you're just sort of suspended in space and time. It's even more freeing that because there's not the mandate to look a certain way or to achieve a certain line, right? Or to even express a certain emotion. 
in the class, the moving body, the moving body and your ability to honor what you're feeling when the body is moving, that's the practice. And it goes back, Ellie, to what you were saying about nutrition. I so agree. So to, to not feel, there's no good or bad foods, right? There's no good or bad foods. It's, it's like how you are able to listen to your body and what your body's asking for and to notice maybe there's an imbalance in what my body is asking for. Or maybe I need more of this or that, or there's a reason why I'm craving something, but to, to hone in that skill. And I'm wondering if you tell your, your, your clients, this, or your practitioners that that is the practice too. I guess you would have to relearn. We have to relearn how to listen to ourselves, whether that's through the foods we should be eating or, you know, the class to me is such a beautiful practice of coming back to yourself and coming back to um, listening to what your body is telling you. Because we do that when we're children. We do that when we're, when we're tiny. We, we honor when our body isn't feeling well. We, we honor when we feel like we just want to shake and we want to have a tantrum. We honor that. We want to scream. Right. When we just like when we feel something, we honor it because we know that whatever the body is speaking is, is a is a truth. And then as we get older, we have, you know, layered on social decorum and being professional and how you have to, you know, step into these different roles. And we slowly, slowly, slowly over time lose that ability to listen to the to the to the core of ourselves. You know, in the class practice, I mean. You know, sure, if you turned on the class or you came to a class, there would be recognizable fitness aspects. There's a jumping jack. There's a burpee. There's those, th but those are just sort of tools, gateway tools as a way in for you to start to really feel your body again and to listen to what you're feeling. Right. So just so my listeners are aware. So the class is a, is a workout, basically like a yes. fun, energizing, um, challenging workout. It's like super popular with all these celebrities. Um, as Amy was saying, they're based in Tribeca, but also there's an online component. And yes. one of the things that really um, lured me to the class um, was this new series that they've created called Pleasure Yourself. And that's uh -huh. where we're entering this um the uh, the one real good thing that we're talking about today is to tap into the pleasure of movement. So I just want to give that context a little bit to the folks listening. Yeah. And so you can find the class. I'll have a link um, on my website, but you can find the class online and you can check it out and 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 take online classes as well. But I want to dive into more of this notion of pleasure and exercise. So absolutely, I think what you're really saying here is that it comes so much from turning inward, what does what feels good to me, tapping into that childlike uh, joy of movement. I mean, when you watch children play, yeah, they're not like, oh, I have to play now. Oh, I have to run <laughs> right. to the other side right. of that field. Or what does my body look like when I'm running? Yeah, they're I'm not thinking <laughs> about any of that. They're right. just literally giggling and, and, and twisting and turning and tumbling. And, and how can we get back? Maybe we can't do exactly that whenever we feel like it. Right. But maybe we can get back to that sense of childlike joy mm -hmm. and, and that intu intuitiveness of movement that children just have just, we're right. all born with it. And as you say, we just get sort of hamstrung by this set of rules and the set of expectations and the set of self-consciousness. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in a negative way, not self-awareness, mm -hmm. but self-consciousness, right, right. afraid we're going to be jiggling too much or yeah. not, not doing the steps right or whatever it may be. So, so, 
when we're going through our normal day, how can, what are some specific things listeners can do to tap into this pleasure as they're exercising and, and, and maybe as they work out and maybe as they move through their day, you know, you started talking about how, when you're walking, how you can just really tap into how the air feels around your body. Um, what are some other things people can do in their, in their workout and in their day to really get back to that place to start this practice? You know, you, 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 the last part of what you said was exactly where I was going to start. And I was, when you were naming the childlike quality of just being freed up immediately, I thought unselfconscious. And I think that being unselfconscious, we learn how to be conscious of ourselves. And I'm not in the way that it's about enlightenment and being self-reflective and self-reflexive. I mean, like super conscious of how we're seen through other folks' eyes. That is a learned process of social being socialized in the world. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what tends to happen, and if I can name this specifically for, for women or female-identified folks, them folks, is that that takes on a life of its own, the seeing yourself through the other's gaze and, and you know, witnessing yourself kind of outside of your body. And it, it becomes sort of a self-consciousness that is detrimental, that keeps you separate from yourself and keeps you further and further away from that, that ability. And I say childlike and people think that it's childlike means simple or dumb, but childlike in the sense of being freed up and returning to yourself, that ability to just fill your body. And I think, what, you know, several ways, there's a lot of things that we can do. And I think one thing that I always say, and I, and I think it resonates, but I think it resonates when we begin to practice it. I say that, you know, we have access to these fundamental rhythms in our body, right in our body, the heartbeat, right? And you can, you can just put your hand on your heart and feel that. And it helps you tune into where you are, whether it's slow, steady, kind of like raggedy and choppy. And it's, it's just such a metronome for your body, like a, a compass and the breath. So there's a rhythm in the heartbeat, obviously, right? And then, but there's also a rhythm to the breath. There's an ebb and flow. And even if the inhale is longer than the exhale or what have you, there's, there's a rhythm to these two things. And I think you can feel them in your body most profoundly when you actually touch your heart, like put your hand over your heartbeat and not in a fake way, but like really find that space where you can feel the, the rhythm of your heart beating into your hand and then place a hand at your low belly and let the belly just be soft into your palm and then just take a few breaths. And what happens is several things in just that simple act of placing your hands on your body at the heart and the low belly. So one is that you feel your own touch and you begin to remind yourself that there's comfort in your own touch, right? Laying, you know, in some traditions, people will know this laying on of hands. We need to go over and lay hands on that young sister. Like I would hear that, like someone was going through something, let's gather and lay hands because in a lot of traditions and cultures, we know that the hands are directly connected to the heart and that's a healing space. So when you are touching something and you're feeling that connection of touch through your hands from your heart, you are healing, right? And so that's what the laying on of hands is. You're laying on of hands. You can do that to yourself just by placing your hands on your body. And then that simple act. And then we go deeper. You notice your breath. You feel your breath. You don't try to change it. This is not, doesn't have to be fancy meditation. You don't have to change your breath. You just notice. You notice what it feels like on the inhale. And you're like, oh. My chest and my belly, when I breathe in, 
they make closer contact to my hands. When I exhale, they kind of retreat a little bit. Oh, I'm okay. And now I'm noticing there's a rhythm to my breath. Oh, wait a minute. I've been breathing now and just like paying attention to my body for maybe 20 seconds. And my breath has slowed down. My heartbeat has slowed down. Okay. And there's, there's a pleasure in that, right? And so I think what we miss in our conversations around wellness or meditation or calming the mind and all these, these languages that we have for talking about coming back to yourself is that there's a pleasure in it. And I think we get caught up in the discipline of it. Like, oh, I have to do this. I have to meditate every morning or my day is going to be fucked up or whatever, excuse my language, or I have to do this thing or it's not going to work out right. And instead of feeling like, oh, there's a pleasure in stillness, especially in a culture where the mandate is go, 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 faster, 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 faster. Can you feel the pleasure in letting your body slow down and being in tune with what your body is feeling? So that's one thing, hand to heart and belly. I, I, and I was doing that before the class. So we opened the class like that. And that was one way I immediately was like, these are my people. Cause I was like, I do this. I do this in the shower, hand to heart and belly, you know, and there's a pleasure in that, that sense of tending to yourself, right. And administering to yourself, administering that medicine to yourself. You don't have to look outside of yourself. Maybe even if someone works out regularly, say, has their regular workout that they do, maybe it's regimented and the discipline, as you say, which I want to talk more about, but um, maybe even just adding that to the beginning and the end of the activity and saying, how does this change and tapping into Mm -hmm. that notion of how does this hand on belly, hand on heart, how is my body internally changing from before I exercise and to after I exercise even, yeah. and, and sort of yeah. tapping into that in your own workout. Um, this notion of discipline versus pleasure, I think this has been a huge thing for me personally, because you know I definitely came from this, oh, got to work out three times, three, four times a week, whatever. It has to be hard. You have to challenge yourself. And and then I started getting into this place where I was just more gentle with myself, more Uh gentle. And also I decided I'm only doing activities that bring me joy Mm. and that transport me. So I've been to classes, I've been to exercise classes that were really hard, that literally every minute I'm looking at the clock, when is this going to be over? I'm not doing those anymore because there are so many things in my life and classes I take where I don't even notice the clock and that I'm suddenly really transported somewhere else. I I Mm -hmm. go into the flow, right? And um, so for me, that one is for sure my yoga class and the other is Zumba, which when we talk about self-consciousness, I am not very good. (laughs) I feel like I love Lucy. I think if anyone remembers these like I love Lucy episodes where she was in the dance line trying to be a, I feel like that when I'm in Zumba. And as long as I don't look in the mirror, I'm fine. I honestly wish there were no mirrors in the class. I feel you. But, <laughs> but I feel like either way, I'm not even noticing the time. Like we've, I'm having, it's like a big dance party and I'm sweating and I'm having the best time. Mm-hmm. And I feel that there are so many things in life that, uh, that we can, uh, we can approach activity in that way. That is actually a treat that you give yourself. Right. Um, and, and similarly, I think um, even walk, I love to walk and so, and I really don't like to run. So I just decided I'm going to just walk. Yeah, and like, why not just walk? Why punish yourself? Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like that notion of discipline 
uh, of moving out of this notion of discipline and more toward this notion of what gives me actual pleasure, mm. I think it, it will make you actually be more active. I totally agree. And you know what I will say, and this is an interesting, this, this um, relationship between discipline, pleasure, and I'll even, I just threw in punishment at the end, which, you know, is interesting to think about. And what I'll say too, and it, it's not that the class is, and you probably feel this in some of your yoga classes, it's not that you don't feel sensation. It's not that there, there's moments where you're like, oh my Lord. Is this, you know, I feel like my ass is going to fall off. Like you're doing a glute move for forever. Or you're like, oh, okay, this is, a, this is cardio. I feel my heartbeat. I feel my heart beating. It's beating really heavily. It's beating, you know, I'm out of breath. There's all of those moments. And perhaps even the same moments that you might get to, you know, they talk about the runner's high. There, but there's a way that the attitude about it is different. And I think that's what's most important, right? So it's not that if, if, if folks are listening and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, two days a week, I meditate and I do my yoga, but I need to go hard, like five days a week. I'm not mad at that. But could you change your attitude around it? Does it not have to be punishment? Could you really without even bringing your hands to your body? Can you start to develop that awareness of listening to your body where like, as you're running, okay, this is where the heart starts to beat faster. Mm, and the blood is pumping through my body. Okay, this is where I move past that place of discomfort. Because when you hit a wall, that wall of contraction and discomfort, that other side is like, ah, but you have to hit the wall, right? If it's, if it's everything is at sort of the same kind of wavelength, we never get to the point of challenge where we're like that excitement of, oh, I'm still here. My heart is beating. This is kind of uncomfortable, okay, but I'm going to move past it. What happens if I stay in it? But I think that's an attitude shift. So there's a difference between um, sort of like, okay, I'm just going to do movement that just feels purely like just juicy and good. No sensation that is all at all approaching discomfort, because I do think there's also pleasure. Well, pleasure and pain, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> also pleasure in that feeling of like, oh my God, this is hard. Okay, yes. but what happens if I stay? Okay, and I'm still doing it. I'm still here. I'm still alive. Okay, maybe this is not pain. Maybe I need this is discomfort. Okay, but I'm but I have discomfort all the time. In my meetings, I'm uncomfortable. And like, oh, what am I learning here? Through this discomfort in my body, I'm staying. Oh, and my breath is getting longer and slower. Okay, and I'm starting to feel lighter. And I'm having this conversation, this reciprocal dialogue with my body, and I'm learning so much about how I tend to run from, from things. I'm learning so much about what happens when I stay, when I meet that resistance and I, and I move through it, not push, fight, but, but breathe through it and aware of how I'm breathing through it. And I get to the other side and then I can really experience that space of expansiveness on that other side. But so I, I just want to be you know, clear that it's not without discomfort and it's not without resistance, but it's how you think about that moving through it and bringing your full awareness to those, those stages of it. That's deeply pleasurable. Totally. Right? Totally. And so you're saying, I mean, I completely agree. Like good doesn't mean easy necessarily. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes what feels good and what is best for you is really moving through those difficult spaces. But I think that the difference is that it's, and, and what is the, really the core of this tapping into the pleasure of movement. So there's pleasure in overcoming difficulty. There's pleasure in learning and growing um, yeah. in terms of physical. Um, but it, if it's coming from a place of self-love, 
then, and, and self-kindness and self-nurturing, then it's really what we're talking about tapping into the pleasure here. Because that's if it's coming from that place, as opposed to self-criticism or punishment yeah. or, or unrealistic discipline, because someone that doesn't even know you put it on a piece of paper somewhere. Right. <laughs> um, so I think that's the difference. And that's really uh, interesting because it relates so much to food as well, that, mm. that eating for, and, and, and maybe limiting certain things because of, of self-love and, you know, maybe that's bad for your health or whatever. It becomes a nurturing act um, or enjoy or eating something that's technically not healthy. Right. Um, but maybe the best thing for you at that time, because your grandma fixed it for you or whatever. Right. Um, right. So understanding that kind of self-nurturing self-love ultimately is the healthiest thing you can do for yourself. That's right. And I would add to that, you know, thinking about an attitude of curiosity so, you know, being able to say, you know, I'm, I'm approaching this because I deeply care about myself and I'm curious. I'm curious about what else is there. I'm curious about the limits of my own ability to kind of know myself. I'm curious about what this body can do, right? I'm curious about like what it wants to do. And I think that's just a way curiosity always brings me straight back to that, that feeling of childlike quality, like exploring like what is this you know like what is this thing and how does it work and if we could develop that like that sense of wonder about our own bodies that would be so beautiful like these arms that I move all the time well how do they really feel these legs that carry me across the city like what is really what happens when I bend them and I jump just like developing almost like you just put this body on for the first time you're trying it on you're like hey how does this thing work and it's just, there's something that's just like also really deeply pleasurable about just being curious and almost approaching, approaching movement and approaching your body from that, that sense of play and exploration as if you don't know, you don't know what's possible and you're moving to figure out what might be. And you might look a little silly doing it, but who cares? Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Right? And that's that self-consciousness thing, right? Like, and close your eyes and move. How does it change? Yeah. What if you moved a part of your body that you never think about? Just move it. Just like, what does it move with, feel like when you move your elbow? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, just exploring with different parts of yourself in the physical form, right? And that, that will translate the ways that we're able to open up and explore through, through our relationships, through how we, you know, approach our creative work, all of that stuff. It's so true. And I also, I feel like one good place to start with this also, you know, a suggestion is even just in the morning when you're in bed, just taking a minute to stretch. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we think about stretching like, oh, put your nose to your, towards your knee and count to 10 or right. the way we think of stretching now, I think is so regimented, but it feels amazing to literally just sort of writhe and, and, and stretch mm -hmm. just in a very, where does it feel good to stretch? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one thing to add to this conversation. I love that. These suggestions as well. Yes. Because I think it's so eye opening just how darn good it feels. And you're going to want to do it every day if it feels that good. I love that. We'll add that to the list stretching, just like that yawning stretch. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Stretching hand to heart and belly, all these amazing walking, just being moving meditation, walking. Can you be aware of every step? And notice when you get distracted and you're not aware, just notice that like, okay. And then come back, 
to feeling your foot touch the ground, rolling through from heel to toe. Just, just awareness and curiosity, it inspires so much pleasure. I couldn't agree more. Amy Cox, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it and Thank have you. enjoyed so much learning about your class uh, with the class. Yes. And, and yeah, and I just definitely went by so quickly, Ellie. I was like, oh, so much more to say. No, but this is great. This is wonderful. Like this is, I really love being in conversation with you and thinking about all of this in relationship to food and like the pleasure in food and the work that you do is so, is so like an alignment. So thank you for that. Yeah, we are. It's all so very connected and interwoven, which is why you're a perfect guest here today. And if there's anything else you wanted to add to wrap up, I would love to. Uh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. I would just say, you know, if you're skeptical, if you're someone who's listening, like, hmm, hand to heart and belly stretching, whatever, I'm good. Just, just try it, and maybe one way to even explore if you're if you're trying to figure out well, what is this class thing. You say it's just free movement, but it sounds like there's burpees. Burpees are hard. How does this work? Try us out. We have a 14-day free trial on our, on our digital website. And on that digital site, you can take the live classes that are live streamed. So we have classes like all day long. You can just tune in and be right. It's almost like you're right in the studio. The teacher's there live. The teacher will greet you. It's a really wonderful experience. There's also a ton of video um, content on demand. We have meditations. We have class light. So I would say that's a very low stakes way to kind of like dip your toe in. Since we're talking about curiosity, um, go to our website, try it out, try it out 14 days. And I guarantee you after those 14 days, if you have stuck with it, taken more than one class, you will be tapped into your pleasure. You will be hooked in. That's great advice. And just the website, I'll have a link to it on my website, uh, but I'll, on elliekrieger.com, but if you can just say the name of the website here for the yeah, listeners. It's simply theclass.com, theclass.com, yep. Perfect. Well, thank you, Amy. Appreciate you so much and, um, and hopefully see you soon. Yes, this was wonderful. Take good care. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to try some of Amy's suggestions to tap into the pleasure of movement in your life. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Amy Cox and the classes Pleasure Yourself series. And join me next time for another One Real Good Thing.